Welcome to the City on a Hill podcast. City on a Hill is a Catholic young adult community located in the greater Kansas City area with a mission to inspire and form the young adult generation in their pursuit of sainthood. In each episode, we feature a young adult who will share their story of encountering Christ, some specific ways they are personally pursuing sainthood, and how they live on mission here in Kansas City. We are grateful you've decided to tap into our community and hope that you feel inspired on your personal pursuit of sainthood. Thanks for listening in, and here are your hosts. Welcome back to another episode of the City on a Hill podcast. I'm your host, Father Andrew Mattingly. And in this episode, I'm happy to welcome onto the show Justin and Kayleen Brown. Welcome, you guys. Thank you. <laughs> and we were actually chatting before um, before the podcast about various uh, email approaches. And we all have, I think, very different approaches. And since everybody has to deal with email today, I thought maybe we'd spend one minute talking about it. So I am an inbox zero kind of person. Justin, you said, yeah, I, I actively manage at least a couple hundred unread just to mm-hmm. just to keep the edge up a little bit. You know, you don't want to get uh, too complacent there. Yeah, yeah. And then, <laughs> last but not least, <laughs> Kayleen, uh, tell us about your email approach. Uh, my phone little email thing right now has a red circle above it with. Pushing 4,000. It's about 3,700 not lying. It's out of control. (laughs) But I think I have, sincerely, I'm not making light of this. I really do think I have tendencies toward ADD. And I just, I look at it and I just can't handle it. It it gives me anxiety to think about having to process that. So, Hmm. yeah. I think 4,000 emails, even for somebody without ADD, would. uh... I know. Well, (laughs) I. (laughs) Also, sometimes when we go on trips and Justin's driving, like if we're road tripping to visit family, that opportunity I take to just delete a bunch of stuff. I just Mm. go through and I'm like automatic delete, automatic delete all the way through it. We haven't gone on a trip in a while (laughs) that I felt like I could do that. So I really blame the fact that coronavirus. That's why I have so many emails. Ah, So you need to travel more. That's the solution. (laughs) We do. Yeah. Yeah. We have chickens. That's the problem. You have to find chicken watchers. And so traveling has become harder for us. You can't just kennel and board your chickens. Are you serious? You have to get somebody to watch your chickens? Yes. Uh, If we're gone more than, yeah, a couple days. Yeah. No, even... I'm the sensitive chicken owner. He is <laughs> their wild beast chickens, and I I care for them even though I don't really like them. They are kind of gross. Uh, I don't know anything about chickens, so they they serve a service and they uh, they do a good job. But yeah, if you if you leave them uh, unattended for you know, extended periods of time, they're probably gonna die. Okay, oh from foxes or just from? Uh, I mean, food and water is probably the main concern. Oh, well, okay, yeah. Yeah. yeah, owls. We're pretty sure an owl or possum yeah, got coyotes, Ooh, raccoons. That would be a crazy thing to see, an owl going after a chicken? I, yes. I'm pretty sure that's what happened to the black hen. Yeah. Wow. There's a... We had a black hen who I was very excited to see grow up. She was born in our coop. Like, she was a home-born chicken, and I was very excited. She was all black. Her beak was even black. She was awesome looking. And then one night, Justin forgot to close the back door. 
of the chicken coop. And this hen was notoriously like adventurous. And one night the windows were open. It was like early fall. It was beautiful outside. And we heard this like I thought crying noise, but none of our children made it. And we didn't really think much else of it. We're like, oh, that was weird. <laughs> and then the next morning, Jackson, who our son, whose job it is to take care of the chickens, comes in and he's like, mom, the black hen is missing. And I said, oh, no, that was the noise last <laughs> night. I think a screeching owl descended upon the adventurous chicken. Wow. What, so. a, what a tale. I'm sorry. Sorry we got distracted <laughs> from email. But No, this is great. We have not ever dove deep into email nor chickens and owls so happy first, to do that for you father Mattingly. <laughs> first for everything okay well getting down to it i don't know which of you guys wants to start but i would love to hear your testimonies i think you should go first because i talk substantially longer and we will know to cut it off <laughs> if you go first sure i'll jump in there um so I was growing grown up in a uh, small rural town in um, southern Illinois, had uh, a brother and sister and lived in a very close-knit community, very, very small, very rural, and um, grew up Catholic. My uh, dad was Catholic. My mom uh, was a convert to the faith, but uh, very involved, and I want to use this opportunity to... Um, you know, publicly honor them and make up for some past sins where it may not have been so honorable. Mm -hmm. But, uh, uh, no, they, they really tried hard and really cared and still do and still active in the church today. Mm -hmm. Um, the, um, the whole area though, and I think this is kind of a problem with, um, a lot of different, um, or, or maybe you know, most of the world today is, um, or certainly certain generations is the, um, the, the kind of cult cultural Catholic phenomenon. We were definitely Catholic, identified as Catholic, um, you know, involved in the church and, and a lot of the things the church did, but the, um, you know, the deep catechist, um, you know, um, catechist, uh, catechesis, catechesis, thank you. <laughs> and, yeah. um, you know, understanding of the faith, um, was there, right? Everyone, um, really, really practiced what, um, you know, they, they were taught, right? And so that's a lot mm -hmm. of it is the teaching. But, uh, yeah, so grew up in this uh, beautiful church to um, spectacular church. My, I'm sure my great-great-grandparents um, helped build the church in, mm -hmm. you know, the late 1800s mm -hmm. and, you know, beautiful uh, um, steeple that you see for miles and miles and giant pipe organ in the back and, um, you know, had all my uh, first sacraments there and, mm -hmm. um uh, I got fond, to see it. It was really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Fond, fond memories of uh, passing out. <laughs> yeah, so serving was a, a, a big part of uh, you know growing up too, and mm -hmm. um, small community, right? And so uh, we'd always come in on the uh, one of the side doors where um, all the all the, uh, the, uh, the servers got uh, suited up, and so uh, Dad would always look back and uh, see how many people were there because you know I was on the schedule or whatnot, but. It, it seemed like I was serving like every weekend, right? The, at least the, the masses that we were going to. And so, um, you know, really, really active there. And um, fun kind of side note, um, I'm going to call this a Eucharistic miracle, uh, maybe not an official miracle, but uh, so that, that same church I described, right? Beautiful, um, you know, huge church. Uh, so a tornado came came through the area um, a few years back and just, just leveled it, you know. Wow. Everything to the ground, right? Just... Um, um, 
all rubble, right? And uh, uh, there was a be- uh, big, beautiful uh, high altar, marble, marble high altar in the in the back. And so, you know, bricks everywhere, just just rubble everything everywhere. But the high altar was untouched, effectively, right? It was mm-hmm. just just standing there, right? Just basically out oh, in, in the in the open. And, you can uh, find a picture of it. It wow. was. Yeah, so very cool. Um, Sad for the church, but cool that the altar still stood. Yeah, and so they actually were able to uh, reuse that same same high altar in, in the new church, saying they built in a new church there. And so um, it was very fond memories of, of being involved there and uh, uh, the Knights of Columbus and um, Squires, which is kind of the youth group of the Knights of Columbus and, and all you of that. You were the and state so, chaplain. You should say that. Yeah, so uh, really involved in the the Squires organization, um, and, and was the Illinois State uh, State, uh, State Deputy, Deputy Squire. Yeah, 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 for a while there, for a couple of years. So, um, yeah, really good times there. Um, More fun than faith filled. Um, yeah, That's it what was. I heard. It was uh, again really, really cultural Catholic, right? And so. Um, you know, sacraments were were part of it, but there was a lot more of a social aspect um, mm-hmm. there, which which definitely has its place. But um, yeah, so fast forward a little bit, your confirmation. My dad actually taught our confirmation class. Um, had a great experience actually. Confirmation. We went on a retreat, and um, we were at this um, park or state park, and there happened to be a creek nearby, and the creek had this rope swing and so some of us were on the rope swing and eventually somebody actually ended up falling into the creek well there's also a bridge nearby and i don't remember exactly how it happened but at some point in time all of us uh kids that were getting confirmed end up uh jumping off the bridge you know you know 10 15 foot down into the water into this creek and um it's a very spiritual experience at the time right um leap of faith, if you will, elements of water, baptism, whatever, you know, it was a uh, very, uh, I remember that time being very uh, faith filled, right? Uh, of course, when we got home, my mom was very furious that dad let all the children, he was in charge of jump off a bridge, but um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it worked out. Nobody got hurt. Um, so yeah, that, that uh, the confirmation, I really felt that uh, the grace is there. It was just a um, very, very, very powerful time in my life. Um, fast forward a little bit in high school, college, early college, definitely, um, went off the rails, you you know, typical high school, college, um, way, right. I still, I still identified as Catholic. I knew there was, there was, there was truth to it. There was, um, I didn't doubt the presence of God and the, the realness of it, but I was definitely chasing after worldly things. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's when I actually met Kayleen. So I met Kayleen in, in college. We were going to different schools at the time. Um, we ended up, uh, dating for a while and, um, discerning marriage in, in college. I ended up transferring schools, got married in college. I make the joke, been poor ever since. Um, <laughs> you but, were poor uh, when I met you. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I um, had more money when I met you cause I worked three jobs. Yeah. You were an engineering student who couldn't work really. Yes. That's hard, you know, it's a lot right. more study. Right. So, and that kind of really yeah, uh, started a faith journey and really a faith journey together. Um, I'm so glad actually that we got married in college. Um, 
I can say advice of actually a lot of people, but mm-hmm. it allowed us really to grow together. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, Kayleen will kind of share what she was at at the time, but I mean, it took me many years um, to, to really come back to, to where I'm at today. But um, again, there's so much power in the sacraments, right? And that sacrament of marriage gave us definitely some graces there. And um, it was definitely difficult, especially the first six months, right? Um, arguing on who, how to load the dishwasher and all that common married stuff and going to school and trying to work and all that kind of fun stuff. But uh, we were still broken people, let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, everyone's yeah. broken, but like. We were, you know, attending mass, trying to, trying to figure it out, right? Mm-hmm. Trying to pierce it mm-hmm. all together and That's a, good a, lot, a lot, a lot going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, so graduated, got in the workforce, um, had a five-year plan, right? I'm going to get a truck, boat, house, all that good stuff, right? <laughs> had it all, you know, mapped out and it's all well and well and good, but, uh, still at least personally, you know, I was, you know, we were going to mass, but I was... I wasn't bought in for sure. And so, um, Kayleen is, uh, very good at pushing me and, you know, she, her faith, um, really started to rebound a lot quicker than mine. And there was a point in time where there was basically kind of an ultimatum, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on this journey, right? I'm excited and you're not. And so there's, there was some tension there mm-hmm. and, um, I said, I, I finally got to the point of like, okay, well, this is all real or it's not, right? I'm, I'm wasting all my time and money and energy um, on uh, this religion thing um, or it's actually truly real and I am not spending near enough time or effort or energy um, really pursuing what I should. Mm-hmm. So it kind of went on this interesting little journey on like, okay, why why again am I Catholic, right? Um, um, you know, why is there other religions? Why, um, why is this the right answer? And, um, kind of did some research and, you know, at first I thought, well, I should be Jewish, right? Like, uh, God's chosen people. I want to be, a, you know, be, you know, chosen part of the chosen people. You know, David was God's boy. I mean, he was like, you know, uh, a handsome and ruddy youth. <laughs> that's, that's right. right. He's been <laughs> that's the, good at throwing the, stones too. And he had an arm on him. So, <laughs> yeah, that's right. you know, but like, um, it's like, well, uh, that sounds, that sounds excellent. And then, you know, uh, just kind of going down that path and back to, of course, Jesus and, um, you know, the fulfillment of the law and, and everything. And then also kind of comparing that to like, like Hindu and, and even, um, you know, Mormon religion and, and different, um, um, different other, uh, you know, even Protestant faiths, right? Like why, why, why is Catholic, the Catholic faith, the faith that Jesus Christ himself um, kind of instilled and, and even through all the different schisms and stuff, right? Am I even, you know, mm-hmm. should I be Byzantine? Should I be Eastern Orthodox, right? Why, why, why am I in the, even in the Roman, right? And mm-hmm. um, kind of read myself back into where I started, hmm. right? That this is, um, this is all real. This is all true. This is, um, these aren't just stories. This is very tangible. And, um, this is how my life is going to be fulfilled. Um, and so that was, I don't know, five or six years ago. And part of that journey too was a Christ Your News' parish retreat where, um, I just want to say it's actually been almost seven, babe. Yeah. Yeah. Time's flying. Yeah, it is flying. 
Um, so yeah, Christ for News is parish retreat where I, uh, and, oh, I'm going to take it one step back actually. Um, I didn't mention our, um, our marriage encounter retreat where, um, you know, I kind of mentioned earlier about the culturally, culturally Catholic and I would identify as that, but I, um, especially the relationship part of, of marriage, you know, I, I saw a lot of examples in my life of like the, the 70s, 80s, 90s sitcom, like bantering back and forth, like not like building up language of spouses hmm. and on that, that the engaged, old ball and chain situation. Right. Exactly. And that, um, that, that retreat, those couples that led it, like they used just wonderful building up language of their spouses and that you could see they meant it. Hmm. And so those examples, and it wasn't just like the talks they were given, right? It was like even the conversations, yeah. you know, as we sat around the table and the meals and stuff, he's like, it was genuine. And it's like, oh, that was a, um, like a starting point to, at, at least even if I had been shown that before, which I'm sure I had, right? It really started to stick. Um, and so, yeah. Um, and then Christ renews his parish where I saw a lot of, uh, men really talk about their faith in, in open and real terms and, and uh, tangible. It's like, you know, you can um, really just reach out and grab it. It's, it's not just some, again, some story, some theory, right? This is all, this is all real. Um, and really just all of that and probably six years ago really started propelling my faith into uh, what it is today. And um, um, it, up to a point now, it's where uh, I've been focused a lot on virtue and reverence and, um, you know, really uh, living out the truths of the faith the best that I can. And still, of course... We're all on our journey still, so not complete. So, you didn't mention the Exodus 90, because after you mm. did Christ Renews His Parish, you were kind of like, you did the formation afterwards, and you still had like a little group, and then we discerned that whole foreign mission thing that I guess I can talk about. And then you, uh, we moved, we sold our house and moved to the duplex, and you were still kind of like grappling with like, you know, what do I do? And then that's when you signed up for Exodus 90. Yeah, which, uh, yes, thank you. So to expand on the, the virtue part of that, that, that Exodus 90, is, um, which is going on right now, so a shout-out to anyone who's doing it, uh, mm -hmm. has really helped in that virtue building and being um, free from things so you can be f free for things. Um, yep, day three, although when this podcast comes out, we'll be long past the end of a. Exodus 90. But oh, yeah? This won't come out till after Easter? Tr probably not. Yeah, oh, wow. Until okay. late spring, summer, somewhere in there. All right. But, uh, but anyhow. We'll be different people by then. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> right. You'll be saints by then. But oh, uh, no. no, Exodus 90. That's great. No, thanks for thanks for sharing, Justin. And um, one just quick curious question. When you started that, sort of investigation of like why Catholicism over a Protestant faith, Buddhism, Mormonism, whatever. Um, were there like one or two specific books that had kind of the biggest impact? Hmm. I would say not even really books. Um, <laughs> I read a lot of Wikipedia, especially on the, the, uh, the faiths that I was 
we're probably not going to pursue anyway Hinduism, Buddhism, right? Like, there's some. I yeah. read you the um, entire Mormon page one time on a trip. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? We were driving back. I mean, car rides are fun with your spouse. So we had a long trip, and I we passed a Mormon temple, and it perked our curiosity of like, huh, what's that all about? Read the entire Wikipedia page. And we're pretty you know, much Mormon link, experts right now. Links and sources and stuff too, right? There, I mean, there's a lot of there a lot of. Uh, information out there even do, you know solid doctrine information on you know what what is the real belief of mm-hmm. uh, the particular uh, yeah. religion was there like one particular instead of like a book i guess was there one particular rabbit hole you went down that became pretty fruitful during that time i i mean the the jewish faith really interests me and and really um i guess the the messianic jews right mm-hmm. the the where they you know believe in jesus christ but they maintain a lot of the um, traditions of the the Jewish, uh, the, the Jewish faith, and so um, I think the thing that I really couldn't reconcile, though, is the, uh, the the mechanism they have for the forgiveness of sins, hmm. right? Because currently now there is no temple, there is no sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you believe in heaven, right? How are how are your sins? Um, rectified or justified um or uh, for, forgiven i guess is a better a better term um i don't know if you got any other thoughts on that but I, that was something I, uh, I couldn't come to i couldn't find an answer to no I, I haven't given great study to like the various branches of judaism mm-hmm. so i couldn't <laughs> i couldn't speak much into that mm-hmm. one wikipedia dive you probably know more than I do. <laughs> you didn't mention to Father Mattingly, though, when he asked you one particular thing that helped you solidify Catholicism, and you didn't mention this at all in your story about adoration. See, this is great. Filling in all the Sorry, in all the we've been, you, you know, can, you can fill we'll in be the married gaps 14 <laughs> years this year, and we got married as babies, like he said, so basically uh, we are one flesh. It's good. Yeah. Um that's that's that is a good point uh, about the, the the importance of adoration and how um, you know when we first got our adoration hours first we were splitting one and uh, eventually you know we got our own hours and um, the time spent in front of the the Eucharist um, even even while we were still searching and trying to solidify that that faith more. Um, it's so powerful. Like you can't underestimate that time and that value there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to explain. It's hard to put words to it, but, uh, I mean, you're, you're basically feet away from the God of the universe. So, you know, maybe that has something to do with it, but <laughs> yeah, probably a thing or two. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's great. Kayleen, fire away. Uh, well, Okay. So I was also born into the Catholic faith, and I just want to say, fun fact, I was baptized in a house. That was a unique situation. My grandma, my mom's mom, uh, she was homebound uh, with cancer that had metastasized, and um, she was in a town south of St. Louis, and they got permission for the priest to come and baptize me at her house so that she could be present at that sacrament. And I think there's just a lot of uh, cool kind of things that I think maybe that signified regarding my faith and um, just the family and home and 
Yeah, it was just just the maternal connection with my grandma that she wanted to be present at my baptism and they wanted me to be there. So, um, yeah, born into the Catholic faith. My dad is not Catholic, though, so I should start out by saying my home growing up was part Catholic, part really not. And my mom uh, was very involved at our church and eventually would become a school teacher at the Catholic school there. And I went to the Catholic preschool and the Catholic grade school until about, I think it was fifth grade was my last year there. It was a really small town in Southeast Missouri uh, called Poplar Bluff. Shout out to you mentioned it. Everyone knows it for Tyler Hansbro. And uh, you told me that like the first time I told <laughs> yeah. you about Poplar Bluff. I so. couldn't remember his name, but I remember there was... Back, back when I watched college basketball back in the day, that was yeah. this incredible UNC player. Anyhow. From Missouri. So uh, he actually went to the Catholic school with me in the same grade. So, what? Yeah. Wow, you're famous. Basically. No, I'm not. No, that's not what I'm saying. Uh, I'm just saying like we that was that's why I know him is because we actually were in school together. Yes. So the Catholic school is really, really small, like five kids. Well, no, I should say five girls in my, oh, is that right? Four or five girls in my class and then a handful of boys. So it was really small. And my mom eventually figured that I should probably go to public school because the Catholic school social atmosphere was just too, I don't know, there were a lot of bullies and there was a lot of like disruption to learning based on like emotional friendship problems and stuff like it was just too much so she really termed it as like I needed a bigger pond so to speak regarding peers so I went to the public school and then um, I think my faith suffered because in the public school I really was craving like attention and friendships. I was like the new kid who wasn't the new kid because I was already in the town, but now I'm at the public school. And I just kind of got in a not a rough crowd circle, but not a virtuous faith-filled circle, let's say that. And I played sports and I was on yearbook and I did all the things. And, you know, you hang out with people and you just get surrounded by I don't know, for lack of a better word, party culture. And um, if there was one word to term my below 20 years old, it would be hypocrite and just being really self-convicting in that. I would go to church, would go to youth group, but I would also live very, very secularly. And in that moment, I don't know that I would have like said there was anything wrong with that because as Justin Justin mentioned there's this idea in a lot of small towns I don't know how it is in big towns because we didn't grow up in big towns but in small towns Catholicism is really part of your identity but you would never I would never have said we do this this and this like there was no plan of life there was no um like really piety I would say there was faith components and, and there was just like wrote things and memorizing things, but I don't, I didn't really, I knew all the answers. I'll say that. I knew all the answers to the questions in religion class and I knew the right things, but I didn't live it out and I hadn't really seen it modeled very well. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. Um, it, it's the modeling, right? The, the true witness of those around you. Um, 
and, and the genuine genuineness of it all. Um, so I went from my junior year. That's when we got um, confirmed in my hometown. I went to a Teens Encounter Christ, a tech weekend up in the St. Louis Diocese, and it was really good. And I came back kind of like ready to go with my faith, and then it didn't really stick. I, I mean, there's no community, right? Like, cause I went, so I went two and a half hours away and then came back and I didn't have any community to keep that going. Um, but I will say what was interesting too is, uh, this will age me, I guess, but like the internet was really exploding and like forums were a thing. And I had a lot of Protestant friends because the town's not very Catholic. And in the whole town, my confirmation class was seven. Um, and that's the whole town. And so it's not very Catholic, but I hung out with my Protestant friends a lot and I did FCA. See, that's the hypocritical thing, right? Like I did FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and I was involved in leadership on that, but then also just very party culture. So um, back to the forum internet thing, one of the Protestant youth ministers in our town had this website and I like a lot of the youth group kids were on it or whatever. And there was someone that posted something about Catholicism. And I thought that was really interesting because I was Catholic, but more than just people from the youth group were on this forum. It was like any, sorry, anyone can join the um, forum. And so someone posted about Catholicism and they mentioned the Latin mass. And I said, I don't know anything about a Latin mass. What's that? And because I was the kid that knew all the answers, I wanted to know more. So I searched it out and I learned about it. And I was like, oh, well, that does seem kind of like a right thing to do. That's interesting. And so, um, yeah, I went to a Latin mass. I went up, I, I could drive. I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember all the details, but I drove up to St. Louis and went to a Latin mass and they had like veils with a little card that was like, you should wear this. <laughs> I don't think I did, but I was intrigued by it. And the whole thing, I, I loved the whole thing because it just felt like the tradition of the church. It just felt like the right thing, you know? Uh, so that was my first experience. I was 18. My first time I went to a traditional Latin mass and that was before it was really more okay. Like as far as, um, when, I don't know what's that called, Father Mattingly. Whenever it came out in the two thousands, that it was yeah, like the motu proprio that Benedict. Yeah. So this land mass was before that, mm -hmm. um, but so my faith journey has been very interesting because it's been knowledge based and it's been like, oh, that's the right thing. We do that, but there was no virtue. So then, I met Justin uh, in college. Like he said, he went to Rolla and I went to Mizzou and. I had a friend from high school who invited me and my roommates down. There's no girls in Rolla, basically. There's a few. Maybe they listen to this podcast. There's a few. I'll call them out. But my friend from high school said, hey, we have a big St. Patrick's Day party. There's a concert. There's a parade. There's all this stuff. Like, you should come and bring every girl that you know. <laughs> <laughs> so my roommate and I drove down. And this is my favorite uh, story is that I told her, I was like, well, this is a Catholic fraternity my friend's in, so I'm going to meet my husband. And I did. It was yeah. awesome. <laughs> I had never you, said- You met at a St. Patrick's Day celebration? We yeah. did. And we celebrate St. Patrick's Day in our home, even though we're not Irish. That's right. So does, very... so does everyone else. I know. <laughs> but we celebrate it now that, you know, we have kids and like liturgically appropriate, like it's not, uh -huh. It's they don't know it's a big- 
festival for the rest of the world with green and everything. So you eat like snakes or something to, to really... Uh, fun really... fact, one time we had a trunk or treat that was like an All Saints Day trunk or treat and Justin's trunk, they were the St. Patrick's Day trunk. Yeah, we had live snakes. <laughs> live snakes? Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, like the kids were like putting them on their shoulders and stuff. There was a... <laughs> Um, it was actually a, a, a friend that was in uh, my Crusher News' parish team. It was it was our Crusher News' parish trunk. And, uh, yeah, he, he raises uh, snakes. So he has, like, thousands of snakes in his backyard. I'm, I don't know if his neighbors know or not. But, what? Um, yeah, so he brought out some snakes. And uh, our trunk one, I'm pretty sure, is the best trunk. <laughs> well, your wife organized the event. So, yeah. Uh, uh, okay, so back to just, you know, we met. I I just knew instantly when I met him. I, well, because we talked forever and Justin's not a big talker. So this was Holy Spirit for sure. And he told me he was the chapter chaplain of his, uh, I had dated a bunch of wrong guys. Like they were not, um, they were boys, I should say, not men. They, I, I was not treated well. I didn't value myself. I had a lot of self-esteem issues, um, eating disorder, like a lot of mental health problems. And, um, I had just not dated for the right reasons. And when I met Justin and we talked and he had his head on his shoulders pretty well, and he knew kind of where he wanted to go in life. And when he said he was the chapter chaplain and he mentioned he was the outgoing head of the squires, I was very uh, intrigued by this. Just dropping all these Catholic hints. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my job as a chapter chaplain was to arrange, I think, a mass at the house <laughs> per semester, I think. So I think that was like all my duties. And, but I clung uh, to it because I was like, that's better than nothing. And he was younger than me, which I said I'd never uh, like date or marry anyone younger than me. But then... I don't know. He just uh, was very intriguing to me. And he actually that night was like, yeah, well, I'm kind of dating this girl from back home. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We're going to get married. And well, I didn't. I guess I probably didn't say that part. But no. <laughs> <laughs> we went on our first official date a couple weeks later. And oh, I was just over the moon with him. And I just knew he was the right guy. So it was amazing because a year and a half later we got married. So we started going to mass together on the weekends. We we were not good at dating though. We were not good at dating. It we did not do it right. We did not do it like you should do it. We were not having that like nice courting thing. He was in a fraternity and that's really hard to date someone cuz you've got the whole like brothers thing and like I said I was a really broken person especially at the time and um, we were fighting, but yet we were called to be together. And it's like a magnet, like God was just pulling us together and, and he was working in that. And, um, so the moment that I knew that we'd get married for sure was I tried to push him away by telling him about my eating disorder. And he actually, uh, said, okay, well we can work through this. I can, I can help you. Like, like I'm still here, like I'm not leaving. And I had this moment when I was suffering from the eating disorder about like the Lord, like it was an audible, tangible, like I, I heard the Lord's voice tell me that I was a temple of the Holy Spirit and I was not treating my body like that. And that was a switch 
of I need to get better. Before that, I was just like down and low, you know. But when I had that moment, it it was like the the springboard to go up and then sharing with Justin another springboard. I had been to counselors and therapists and none of that worked because I wasn't ready and didn't want to get better. Hmm. But when I finally felt beloved and when I finally felt valuable and um, worth it, so to speak, then I did. And God worked through Justin to do that. Um, Yeah, because he just, he was, I always say this, he was very much my like St. Joseph, he like took me to Egypt and like we, it was like good. So anyway, the engaged encounter was beautiful. We learned that marriage is supposed to be unified. It's not always going to be happy, but it's going to be unified. And that was transformative to both of us because we didn't um, have that understanding of marriage. We learned a lot. I know some people don't really love engaged encounters. Like they're like, oh, you know, it's kind of cheesy, whatever. But it was so amazing for us. So beautiful, really transformed our trajectory. And then um, our faith journey, I think, was also really catapulted by becoming parents because when you become parents, you go through baptism prep and you prepare your um home to welcome a baby and you baptize and promise to raise them in the faith. And, uh, that really motivated us as well to, um, to show our kids an authentic witness of the faith and like do the right things, but we still had a worldly plan. Um, cause we, you know, we're grasping, like we're, we're on this journey and we're going towards the light, but we're just like grasping at little pieces. And we didn't have faith-filled friends. When we moved to Kansas City after graduation, I actually did hear about City on a Hill, kind of. I don't know how I did, but I did. And when I looked into it, I thought it wasn't like you couldn't be married and join it, even though we were 23, I think, 23-ish, which we would have fit like the perfect bill for City on a Hill. But I just thought you couldn't be married and, and do anything with City on a Hill. So we didn't ever pursue that, um, which I think that would have helped us because we were just like fumbling in the dark. So then we moved for Justin's job and uh, we got pregnant with our second kiddo and we went to an ultrasound and the doctor said, there's an abnormality and if you'd like to discuss your options. And I was just an emotional wreck. I was bawling in the room and there's Justin, right? Like he he's not the one pregnant, but yet he's very much the parent and he cares for me as his wife. And I can't speak to how he felt in that moment, but I, I just felt like punched in the gut. Like my, like, I don't know what to do in this moment. It was kind of surreal really. Cause, um, you know, whenever you have your first child and you've got certain expectations, certain, a certain vision, right. And, um, you don't understand really all the things that could go wrong. And um, so hearing that something's wrong, it's almost like it, it didn't quite register, hmm. but like whenever they were trying to push different options, quote unquote. Um, we lived in California at the time. So yeah, that it was, didn't uh, help. <clears throat> yeah, not, not a, not a very good experience, but um, I, I guess it never come into my mind. Like, I, did we we might have just got up and left. I don't remember. I don't remember <laughs> what happened. All I know is my sister had flown in for a week to visit us. She was a freshman in college, freshman or sophomore. She had flown in to visit us. It was in August before the school semester started, and she was watching our oldest, who was one and a half at the time. And we got back, and I 
it was like a floodgate. I was just bawling, 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 crying. Like I could not stop. I was just devastated to hear that something was abnormal and not know the unknown. But we had grown enough in our faith and, and we were clinging to our faith about that, that God had a plan for this and like we trusted in him. But I was still just, I was grieving a normalcy, you know, like like grieving that. And my sister's this like wide-eyed teenager of like, uh, what's going on? And I threw tears and Justin, we tried to communicate to her what happened and kind of get it together. And <clears throat> I don't know, I just, I would wake up crying. I am trying to express to you how hard this was for me as a second time mom. My other baby's one. We're so far from family. I'm already prone to anxiety and I just didn't know what to do. So clung to my faith, grew in my faith in that moment because suffering. And I prayed to God. I remembered the Bible story of Hannah and Samuel. And I said, Lord, you know, I know that Hannah prayed for a son and you granted her wish. And if you could just bring my son into this world and he could be healthy, I promise I will bring him back to you just like Hannah did Samuel. I mean, I don't know about making promises to God. It's probably not a very wise choice. Like, I don't know, you can't, you're human, you can't always keep that up. But I made that promise and the baby was born and he was doing better than I was because it was a traumatic emergency C-section birth that was, that I still nine years later have physical problems from, but he is doing awesome. And so that... If I had to pinpoint any arc in my story, his birth and him being okay was the part where everything changed because I I had to bring this baby back. Like I had promised the Lord that and I and I started as soon as I healed up from the surgery, I started taking the kids to a daily mass a week and I got involved with the mom's group. And when Justin in his story mentioned that I was on this particular faith journey train that he wasn't quite on yet. It was because I had made that secret prayer. Did I ever tell, I told you about yeah, that. Like you've yeah, heard the story, yeah. but like, I don't know if in that moment I told you, I made that promise to God. And so, yeah, started going to Ascension noon mass. Cause I was a mom of two little kids and noon mass sounded a lot more appealing. And father Alessandro from the former AVI, who's now back in Italy, but he, um, was at Ascension and he's very well for all the AVI priests were very well formed and his homilies were exactly what I needed right then. And, um, eventually I signed up for an adoration hour, which we didn't, neither of us grew up with adoration. We didn't yeah, know. What I, that I didn't was. know adoration was actually a thing until, yeah, I was 26, 27. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah, we missed out on all that grace. So signed up for an adoration hour and I walked in the first time I was going to go to adoration and there's a bookshelf at the, we were at Prince of Peace in Olathe and there's a bookshelf there and like I'm very knowledge based. And so I walked up to the bookshelf and was like, okay, roulette kind of God, like, what are you going to direct me to? And there was this book um, and it was orange and it kind of stuck out to me and it was called Everything is Grace, The Life and Way of Therese of Lisieux. And it's like, all right, pull that out. Um, raised Catholic, knew nothing about Therese of Lisieux. So started reading this book in adoration, probably said some prayers before I started. I would hope I did. I don't know. Started reading the book and I was blown away at her life and um, like learning about redemptive suffering, learning about the little way everyone's called to holiness. Say what? I'm supposed to be a saint. Um, 
and then also it talked about her mom and I was a new a new mom and and my kids had you know anyways this book transformed it because it talked about Zelly Martin and the way that she tried to parent her kids and I realized yeah I'm bringing my son to daily mass occasionally and I want to bring him back to the Lord but I didn't know what to do and Zelly showed me the way hmm. and so yeah, Therese is awesome, but I actually love Zelly even more. And the only reason Therese is who she is, aside from God, is because of her parents. And so then Justin and I got these books, The Mother of the Little Flower and The Father of the Little Flower, written by their daughter, Celine, uh, Therese's sister. And it had quotes from their letters, and it was just eye-opening us to us. So we had learned about the sacramental graces of marriage, but we had never seen like heroic parenting in action. And reading these books and seeing how they lived, um, you know, like you've talked before, Father Mattingly, about like what the lay state should look like and, and how people should live that. And so many of us don't know that. And so many of us don't know how to try to be a saint like a lay person. A lot of people are trying to be a saint like a religious or like a priest and like get involved in ministry and they think that's the answer. But reading these books, <laughs> like before we even knew what the words were to say that, they helped us see like sanctify every moment and raise your kids in the faith and liturgical living. That's a new buzzword now, but like they were liturgical living back in the day. Like Zelly's favorite feast day was all saints day. And um, that's a big one in our family too, because we dress up like saints and we have a party for all saints day and stuff. Okay. Well, so last question. Yeah. What's tell, tell me about some, some way you're trying to spread the old gospel. Yeah, so I'll go first. Since we'll, yeah, we'll keep that. Okay. We'll keep that trend. Um, so my word of the year is um, legacy. Um, he chose it. We didn't do that random thing. Yeah. That's his actual it, discerned it, it's, word. It just it it keeps coming up, and um, I'm gonna run with it. So, um, really being uh, magnanimous, magnanimous. Um, and you know, uh, I, I guess maybe to take a step back, what does what does that mean? What do, what do I think when I hear legacy? Um, I think something that transcends generations. So, um, you know, I could be a billionaire and donate a bunch of money and get my name on a bunch of buildings and stuff, and, and my name will be around for a couple hundred years, and people will maybe recognize it and 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 whatnot. And um, you know, of course, people of the ancient world or in the Bible, right? Their their names, their their legacy has been around. I mentioned David earlier, right? Um, you know, that's that's almost eternal at this point. Um, so, but how does how does a simple soul? Uh, what what's their legacy? What's what is your legacy, right? And so, uh, really, I, I see that as uh, as my children primarily. Right. If you think about the branches of a tree, of your family tree, right, the the uh, the exponential nature mm -hmm. of that ripple that you start with each individual child, and then their family, and their family, and their family, and their family, and the and the gift you can give them of the faith of that, like, which is the most important gift you can give them, and then then how that gets passed down over the generations, and what kind of impact that has on souls, it's just like mind blowing. The uh, you know you, talk, you can. You know, some people talk about your zone of influence of, you know, um, you know, a few, and then you got a larger zone of your know, different acquaintances and stuff like, like that's your, your legacy there. And what you can transmit is, um, 
just so large. And so um, how to how to take that outside and, and apply that to apostolate outside of the family. It's really that same concept. Um, and I, I think the thing I get most excited about is um, kind of the uh, uh, my my work, right? I, I would say that's probably my biggest uh, apostolate right now. Uh, currently with a, a few a few gentlemen um, and just really diving into those um, deep conversations. And it's, it's so interesting how um, you can kind of prod and then uh, those individuals that are interested, um, you can go deep real quick. Hmm. Um, so we did, I've done work Bible studies too. Um, I need to get that started back up, but uh, there's a, there's a couple of particular individuals who are praying on specifically. And um, uh, again, back to legacy, right? That um, impact I, I can have on those individuals and then their families and their families and their families, like mm-hmm. um, it is amazing. So um, kind of got a little bit off track. I didn't answer your question specifically, but uh, I think um, uh, you'll be very interested to find out how many people actually share the same faith of your, uh, in your workplace. If you just start asking, because especially if you work with, you know, uh, in, in any kind of sizable company, there's uh it's, it's very surprising. You find out who shares the same faith um, mm-hmm. and how many of them there are. And yeah. you just have to start kind of, you know, it'd be as simple as putting a Bible on your desk and what, uh, what conversations you actually did that start. That. Hmm. That's how it yeah. happened. Yeah. 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 No, that's awesome. Yeah. Just, uh, taking advantage of the situation you're already in. Right. And, uh, right. Yeah. Kayleen. Uh, well, my apostolate is called magnify hmm. and, I, years ago, when Justin did Exodus 90 the first time, our parish offered uh, to let women come, and I found out that was exactly the wrong thing to do. You're not supposed to do that. It's a masculine program. And I am an idea person, and I got this idea. I was like, oh, you know, we, we need to make something for women so that they leave the men thing alone. And I said, that's a good idea, Kayleen, but you can't do that right now because you've got kids and life is busy, and that's not going to happen. And then the next year when they advertised for it women again, I was just so put off by it. And in adoration, um, the Lord really said, Kayleen, I'm calling you to do this. And I came home and I just like wrote a ton of notes about it and uh, formulated with the guidance of the Holy Spirit, I really think, uh, plus I had a spiritual director at the time and, and came up with um, what is now called Magnify. And it's a growth in virtue for women based on the catechism and um, writings of female saints and scripture. And I turned it into a book. Um, So each day there's something from scripture or the catechism or the saints or sometimes a couple. And then I wrote a little reflection and it's 13 weeks and each week has a virtuous theme. And so it's really intended to um, help women just like dive into some of the virtues that maybe they've never really worked on before or haven't heard as much about. And then um, just like transforming their life by like a life of asceticism, because that's so countercultural today to uh, give up social media, to um, not wear makeup on a couple days or ever, (laughs) to not eat Uh, snacks, to not drink wine, to not watch trashy TV, to not weigh yourself on a scale because anytime you're fasting, it is a tendency, especially of women to be like, oh, well, I'm going to lose a few pounds. So that's great. But like, no, in Magnify, we 
we are not stepping on the scale because that's not the intention of fasting. Um, so I wrote this all down and turned it into a book and it's become a big apostolate that um, every January women set out on 90 days before Easter to do this. And it pairs really well if a husband's doing Exodus 90 or friend groups are doing Exodus 90 um, because it keeps the women out of, my, of, of Exodus because that was my initial goal. But now women are doing it even if they don't know anyone doing Exodus 90. But I just really take what Thomas Aquinas said and even um, Pope Benedict and St. John Paul II um, and Edith Stein and just a lot of what they've said regarding the complementarity of men and women. And so I didn't want just to copy Exodus 90 and slap a name on it and say this is for women. I wanted it to be different, but yet complementary. And so that is my big apostolate. And I get emails from women around the world. Like the most recent cool one was from Transylvania. I'm not even joking. Lolita's like... I'm in Romania, Transylvania to be specific, because it sounds fun. And then people want it translated into Spanish, and I'm working on, like, finding a translator for that. And then I get – I've gotten four emails in the past three days about French translations. And, um, yeah, it's 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 wanted and it's needed. And I feel very, like Mother Teresa said, humbled to be a pen in the hand of God because I have a math teaching degree. I am not a writer, and I am a self – a uh, lead theologian of reading all the books and stuff and praying in front of the blessed sacrament, but I don't have any letters by my name. So I don't proclaim to like have it all figured out. I'm just getting out of the way of the Lord. What's so amazing to me is the, the hunger for virtue. Um, and whether they know that or not, when they sign up, um, uh, the women, I, I mean, I, I, some of the testimonies that that yeah. have been shared, it's just, it's really, it's really awesome. Yeah. When you get emails from women saying this changed my life, you're very humbled by it. And it brings me back to God prepared me for this because I like humility, right. And like all for God's glory and just like all the steps that he had me go through to get to where I could write, magnify and encourage women to to not follow this, like, you need to be the same as a man and not follow this of, like, you can do everything a man can do. Well, sure you can, but you don't need to and you shouldn't. That's not what you're made for. And so it's – but I I didn't grow up like that. Like, I grew up saying I was going to be the first woman president. Like, here I come. But then now here I am totally transformed by these sufferings and this learning that I've had. And that's another part we didn't go into, Father Mattingly, is just the spiritual attacks that come when you do something like this. And you're a priest, a holy priest of God, and I'm sure you have a million spiritual attacks all the time, and we're all praying for you, and may St. Michael protect you. But, um, yeah, we have a lot of spiritual attacks in our family, and it's really hard um, to, like, battle all of that. But the intercession of the saints and just the strength of the Eucharist, we're getting through. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast. There's there's a lot I think in both of your stories and a lot of a lot of stuff that is going on currently that um, there's a lot of touch points that people probably connected with at different points in your podcast. So thank you, um, thank you both for coming on. It was great to have you. Oh, thank you. It was fun. Yeah, thanks for having us and dealing with my lack of succinctness. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if anyone's still listening woo. it all it, it was all great so we'll we'll be just fine all right good and thank you 
uh, for listening to this episode of the City and Home Podcast. We hope you tune in next time. Bye-bye now. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the City on a Hill Podcast. Consider subscribing so you don't miss another exciting episode or leaving a review which may help others find the podcast and be inspired on their pursuit of sainthood. Check out our website at kansascityonahill.org and consider joining us at one of our upcoming events. Be assured of our prayers for you and for all young adults in the Kansas City area. God bless.